Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week, Norse folk music, why I don't get invited to parties, and Tofuti cuties. Let's go. Welcome to Jordan Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. You know, normally we do our intros live on location, but I think in a sense this, this intro is live on location. In a lot of ways. It's in flavor country. In flavor country. Oh, because today, instead of doing our intro in an exotic locale, we are going to do the intro while eating a Tofuti cutie. Have you ever even had a Tofuti cutie before, Jordan? No. And here's, and I'm skeptical. And and maybe you you can explain what this is. It's it's like an ice cream sandwich that doesn't have any kind of uh, sweets in it, right? Nothing. Well, it has sweets in it. It has um, Tofuti. Okay, it has some sort of tofu ice cream substance. What I right? like about it, one of the things that I like about it, I like a lot of things about it, don't try it yet until we've had this conversation, Jordan, Okay, is that I'm not allowed to eat chocolate because of my migraines. Right. And whatever this brown stuff is on the outside, it's not chocolate. I think so it's carob-based. It. Yeah, here's, the, here's, here's why I'm skeptical. I've bad, had bad experiences with, mm. with all the dessert substitutes, with your carob, really your carob, your rice dream. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Call me a, call me a dessert purist. Jordan. Call me a fat guy, but I love ice cream. Jordan. What? Me too. But I love tofuti cuties. All right. Well, well, I'm I hate gonna, rice cream. Okay, go for it. Okay. Is it, I mean, I'm I'm a little worried that you've talked yourself into liking them because you're miserable in, in your new diet. Because <laughs> my life is empty without cheese. Yes. I started eating cheese again, and I still like tofuti cuties. Okay. Well, as long as this isn't some sort of neuroses that I'm contributing to, I'm going to try it. Well, it is a neurosis you're contributing to. That's immaterial <laughs> <laughs> to the discussion of whether or not it's tasty. What do you think? Okay, tasty going in. Aftertaste is going to be the uh, the deciding factor. You're obsessed with aftertaste, I'm Jordan. I'm absolutely obsessed with aftertaste. <laughs> Jordan won't eat. I, I, ter- my girlfriend Teresa has these. Um, Teresa has these uh, Propel sugar-free Gator Gatorades in the house because she drinks them sometimes after she works out or while she's working out. And I'll drink them just because I want to drink something and I'm bored of water and I don't want to have soda and get me fat. So I'll drink some sometimes. Jordan won't eat, won't do it because of the aftertaste. Yeah, man. If I have a like, if I even have a drink of diet soda, my day is ruined. Like if I accidentally <laughs> have a sip of diet soda, I've got tofuti cootie in my mouth, Jordan. Don't make me laugh. Sorry. So what do you think? It's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's good. It's totally good. You're right. Doesn't it taste? It doesn't taste like a weird carob thing. No, uh, uh-uh. and I, it's not grainy. I, I was imagining, I'm like, oh, this is gonna have a like, is this is gonna be like eating cold sand <laughs> a little bit, but it's not. It's good. It's it's totally good, and it replicates an ice cream sandwich. That's actually um, that's not uh, tofuti cuties. That's tofuti dippin' dots. Mm. It tastes like cold sand. That you're thinking of it does come off on your fingers a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. I'm into that. <laughs> I can see that you're into that. Yeah, Jordan. it's great. Get it, keep it up, Tofuti cuties. That's what I say. Keep it up, Tofuti cuties. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. We're gonna eat the rest of these Tofutis. 
This is Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Last week we briefly alluded to the fact that there was a big public radio party here in Los Angeles and neither of us was invited, especially me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, sure, I'm a little discontented. Right. There's a little bit of discontent. I would say you're seething. Would you say that I'm seething? Oh, no, yeah. What about fuming? Yes, both. Both you're, you've commenced to both seethe and fume. Am I giddy? No. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's good. That was a trick. Oh, you're seeing if I knew what adjectives were? Well, just, you know, throwing some shit out there, sure. seeing what sticks. Yeah, I'm paying attention. <laughs> now I am currently paying attention. You're right. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes my head's not in the game. Sometimes I'm concerned that you're asleep. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a legitimate concern, but at that, that point... Because sometimes not. you do sleep. Mm-hmm. Not usually on the air, but you do sleep a solid third of the time. Yeah, sure. Just overall. Right. It's not when we're taping. That's yeah, what a human does. Mm-hmm. Also, other living things not plants a lot of other living things uh take their sleep half of their brain at a time oh really yeah didn't you know that i didn't know that well shit jordan chambered nautilus didn't you go to college (laughs) apparently not yeah i'm talking about a chambered nautilus of course i'm talking about a chambered nautilus i'm talking about extinct a chambered nautilus i'm talking about a narwhal too is a chambered nautilus extinct I think that's still a Nautilus. I think that's still one. Of, <laughs> um, the chambered one specifically. Well, I know for a fact that there are Nautiluses or Nautili. Sure. Um, but I cannot. A, fly, uh, a, a group of them is called a gaggle. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I couldn't say whether a chambered one is among the ones that are extant. Hmm. Can we talk about this public radio yes, party? Sure. We got a call about it. Let's hear it. Hey, Jesse. Uh, Jordan, just listening to the show and heard you guys talking about the uh, NPR party in L.A. Uh, I just wanted to say something about that. My name's Matt, by the way. Um, I was actually at the party. I wasn't invited. I was a guest of someone who was invited. But I just want to let you know, Jesse, that um, the reason you weren't invited is um, not that you were the big topic of conversation, but I was speaking with Michael Silverblatt, and he told me that the whole America's Radio Sweetheart thing kind of makes you sound like a dick. But anyway, uh, don't take that the wrong way, but hope you uh, have a great day. Bye. Okay, here's a couple things that we I feel like we should that bear addressing okay. in this call. Number one, do you think he's putting me on? Uh, yes. But he said that he was the somebody's invited guest. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounded convincing to me. Okay. That he actually went to the party. Well, I think to to that not only did he get to meet Claude Brodesser Ackner, he got to meet Claude Brodesser Ackner's wife, Taffy Brodesser Ackner. Man, what a lucky bastard. He's probably making plans to steal Taffy Brodesser oh, Ackner. Michael from- Silverblatt thinks you're a dick. You know what? I, I'm glad. Michael Silverblatt, a local public radio celebrity, mm-hmm. he hosts, what's the name of his show? Bookworm. You know, uh, it may be that me calling myself America's radio sweetheart when almost no one listens to my radio show may make me look like a dick. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm willing to grant that point. However, uh, hosting a public radio show called Book Talk makes you look like a dick. Bookworm. Bookworm. Definitely. makes you look like a dick. Definitely makes you look like a dick. Hmm. He was really nice to Maya Angelou, though. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Although I, I don't get, know why you would. You'd have be. to be pretty fucked up not to be nice no, to Maya true. Angelou. You know what? I met. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember the Maya Angelou story. <clears throat> I, I a friend of mine uh, is in a band of literary celebrities, mm-hmm. like a rock and roll band composed exclusively of literary celebrities. Oh, it's celebrities. like her, Dave Barry, and Amy Tan. Yeah, exactly, gotcha. and like Roy Blunt. And uh, a bunch of other literary celebrities. Maya Angelou did a couple of gigs with them, and they're like sort of pals. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maya Angelou told her this story about how um, she believes in psychics. And m- my friend was really surprised that she believed in psychics because it's like mm-hmm. it's Maya Angelou. It's kind of a silly thing to believe in. And um, it turns out she believes in psychics because one time, as a joke, she called a psychic hotline and they knew it was Maya Angelou. <laughs> they're like how are how are you my angelou or something like that wow. and she was like oh my god but on the other hand who else would it be the only other possibility is it's david allen greer doing his my angelou impression <laughs> have you ever uh have you ever done anything psychic related have i ever done anything psychic related like mm-hmm. like moved something with the power of my mind <laughs> no have you ever like been to a psychic or called one no have you uh yeah no i went once uh i went once like um you know, it's kind of like a, a a a cute part of a date. Um, you know, like, oh, let's stop in to see this psychic. Um, it was, you know, like, aren't we fun and spontaneous? Yeah, like, and you were fun and spontaneous situation. Um, Let the cr- oh boy, this was this one was just going terribly too. Um, the date was. Yeah, yeah. I just, Are you sure you weren't just on a limit date? Yeah. Well, yes, I was. But um, did you ride a mechanical bull afterwards? Right. Yeah. And then we took a Pilates class and sat in a hot tub. Okay. Gotcha. Um, anyways, I just wanted it to be over, but she's like, oh, she's like, oh let's sit, stop in to see the psychic. Um, and and we did, and the um, and the psychic, uh, the psychic kind of took my hand um, and just looked at me, and she's like, oh. You're a writer, aren't you? And um, and well, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, I guess that's what, kind of what I'm what I'm trying to be. And I was a little impressed by that at first. I'm like, oh wow, that's great. But I mean, I guess any guy who walks into a psychic office in Burbank, uh, looking like me, like wearing you know jeans and Converse with my hair, like I mean, that's a you know. Well, you 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 at least keep a journal, right? Right. For song lyric ideas, yeah. It's like oh, if, if yeah, if you're like if you're in uh you know if you're in L.A. and you're not handsome enough to be an actor. Yeah, you know that's the other choice. Well, so. she could have tried. You know, oh, you're a sanitation worker, right? Because yeah. you're either basically oh. a writer or a sanitation worker. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so but that was the psychic. Oh, and she also that told was me, it. She just told you you were a writer. Uh, let me some other stuff. Why would you like, pay someone to tell you what your occupation <laughs> is? <laughs> well, we got the budget. The budget reading. Um, Did she predict anything? Uh, I can't remember what she predicted. She kind of just told me some things about myself. She told me I had been here many times before. I guess I'm an old soul. Oh, that's nice. That I uh, that I've been on Earth a lot. Tough to confirm, but nice. Probably as a hun. I'm thinking. As a hun, yeah, yeah probably hun barbarian, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I that was that's my editorializing, but sure. I mean, it's possible that you were a, a Mongol horde member, perhaps. Um, something with pillaging. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I mean, she just kind of said some some general things. She thought I had a lot of inner sadness also, mm-hmm. which is true. Yeah, you are a sad guy. <laughs> Seeped in inner sadness. Um, yeah, no, that was it, but I wasn't too impressed with it. Completely it unimpressed? 
uh, no, not completely unimpressed. Like the her, I, I Jordan, her, what are you doing with girls? I I feel. Didn't you tell me that you let a girl like? I mean, I don't. I don't want to. Didn't you let a girl touch your face in a way that I feel is inappropriate in a romantic context? Oh, uh, pluck my eyebrows. Yes. Oh, what is that about? I was going to ask you if you noticed. It, they, they looked tastefully arched. Okay, thank I you. Well, you should have said something. Jordan, why did you let a girl pluck your eyebrows? That's that's when you know you really like somebody. Is when you let them pluck your eyebrows. Jordan, it's great. I think I look great, and uh, and it, I I I felt like it was it was a real bonding experience. I had this uh, Mike. I had a girlfriend in high school who always wanted to fuck with my face, like she wanted to like pluck my eyebrows or like watch me shave. Did you not let her? No, no, that's like a, it's like a, it's like a bonding thing. No, that's you know? what a, like a bonobo does. Where's <laughs> <laughs> she gonna start p- eating my nits? It's not, it's not a. No, it's not a like a. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you, I guess you just don't. I guess you just have you just have body issues. I think. I do not have body issues. You're just too afraid to let somebody into your sphere. It's more symbolic than anything, you know, than it is about grooming. It's a symbol that I want them to pluck my eyebrows it's not about the eyebrow plucking specifically although i will admit i was kind of approaching unibrow but i mean that's 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 beside the point is like it's a you know it's like it's like a moment you can have a painful moment kind of painful yeah a weird painful moment it's not like taking a shower together if i was going to do something uh, no it's hygiene non-fucking related well, what the fuck is the point then? <laughs> I'm, wow, I, I guess you need to. Sounds like you need to set your priorities straight, Jesse. Yeah, I need to. I need to learn a little something about intimacy. Yeah, I guess you know, so. Intimacy only break down comes, your wall, man. Intimacy only can La only Teresa stick, can La only Teresa. truly come from from the nose of a pliers. Yeah, let Teresa not a stick pliers. A, what is that thing called? A tweezers. tweezers. <laughs> what is she doing? Well, with your nose hair. Wow. With your with that. Rainforest up there. You're gonna need a. <laughs> that was stupid. Yeah. What are we even doing? Hard to say, really. So you see this. I want to get back to this because I can't get over. Okay. It. Well, I don't want to dwell too. But yes, you we see have- this as as like it's it's like sharing something with someone to let them pluck your eyebrows. Yeah. It's it's. Would you let me pluck your eyebrows? No. God no. No, I don't think you're coordinated. Enough. I thought that's w- that's the issue. I think you would <laughs> you would stab me in the eye. I thought it was about I thought it was about closeness, not about fucking. Isn't that what you claimed it's before? It's about a boy girl closeness, though. You don't understand. You clearly because I'm only interested in boy boy closeness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's true. Sorry, you had to find out this way, Teresa. Yep, Jesse's gay. <laughs> what are you doing listening to the podcast, anyways? I actually pay. Um, a male escort to pluck my eyebrows. Oh. It's not real intimacy, but it's the closest thing of which I'm capable. Gotcha. We'll be back in just a second. Yep. On Jordan Jesse Go. Yeah. 
You're listening to Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. We got a helpful email from somebody who suggested uh, that we just shorten it to the letters. So I would be J-T-A-R-S. And I'll be uh, J-M-B-D? J-M-B-D? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why that took me so long to figure out. You kept Your head kept going to J-M-V-D. Because I... <laughs> Because I have gonorrhea. <laughs> you got it in World War II when it's you true. were overseas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there wasn't any penicillin. Yeah. Well, too many comfort women, I guess. <laughs> I guess I had too many, too many comfort oh, women. Oh, gosh. I am a fucking fountain of wit. <laughs> I guess. Hey, uh, we we were going to talk about DVDs. Yeah, let's talk about DVDs. What DVD were, you were watching? I can't believe even... I know that I'm supposed to. We're we're going to talk about DVD like bonus materials, yeah, and especially your personal interest in the DVD bonus materials of the Magnificent Seven. Yes, what what's what's unusual about that? I'm just really impressed that you watch DVD bonus materials. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. I I don't know. I like I like the idea of bonus materials. I like watching the trailer. I like the uh, option of having the trailer there to get like pumped before the movie. You watched the trailer before the movie? Yeah, absolutely. What if it what if it you already decided to watch the movie? What if you learned something in the trailer that you didn't want to that should have been revealed to you by the movie? It's that's a concern. That's absolutely a concern. But I mean, like how many times are you in like the theater and you see a great trailer that gets you totally pumped up and you're like, "God damn it, I wish I could just be watching the movie right now." That's the magic of DVD. That is the magic of DVD. Specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's you not watch about the trailer, you're like, "Awesome. Not having I can't to wait rewind to see that it. movie." In four seconds, you know. Sometimes I'll watch the trailer after I watch a movie, like a movie that's at least, you know, 25 years old. Because mm-hmm. I'll be like, I wonder what the trailer for that looked like in the olden days. Yeah. You know, like a Hitchcock movie trailer or something. Then I'll watch it afterwards. I was watching a trailer for an old movie and I forget I forget what the movie was, but uh, the tagline was, like, see Cary Grant in a role that fits him like a glove. <laughs> it was like, it's like the selling point of the movie was how appropriate the role was for the lead actor. And the, maybe, the movie wasn't called, like, The Glove Maker's Daughter or no, something like no, that? No, no, it was called, like, you know, like, A Time for Malice or something like that. But <laughs> In a so, role that he is appropriate for. See a well-cast group of actors. Mm-hmm. Performing up to their ordinary standards. Um, so yeah, I was I was watching the bonus features for the the Magnificent Seven over the weekend, um, and there's I mean it, it, the, at least the DVD I had there's there's only a couple of things, and the, and one of them is the um, now to be clear when you say that you were watching the bonus features for the Magnificent Seven, you're not a 19 year old film student. <laughs> no, uh, uh-uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm I not, just, I just wanted to make sure. I'm not wearing cargo shorts and an eraser head T-shirt, and, or maybe like, a, or maybe an, a T-shirt about how much you hate George Lucas, <laughs> right? Um, anyways, no, it was just kind of a lazy afternoon. Uh, I watched the movie. I'm like, hey, I'm still. I'm currently. I currently don't have any other obligations, so I guess I'll just watch the bonus features. You had just, right? you had just finished watching Slacker and Hard Boiled, <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> Anyway, so so I was watching the there's like a making of feature on it, um, which you know goes through how the movie got made, and um, and it's funny because you would think that you know kind of a movie that epic and legendary would kind of have some sort of epic process, but it really wasn't. I mean, it was it seems like a totally Hollywood affair. There were a lot, you know, 
and it seems like most of the excitement of the making of was like kind of all the lawyering and the rights acquiring that went on. Like, uh, you know, they talk a lot, you know, I guess two people, different people bought the rights to the movie at the same time. And, you know, someone was supposed to executive produce, but then someone else bought the rights and they have, you know, they had to, everyone had to go to court. Um, but the funny thing is like, while, and everyone involved with this, uh, none of them are the kind of tough guy actors. This is all like, you know, Ira Leibowitz and Ben Felderstein both acquired the rights to Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai, you know, and, and an epic court battle followed. And the kind of the funny part of this is while they're talking about this and kind of showing exterior shots of a court, um, like that epic Magnificent Seven music is playing. Uh, that, how, like, how exactly like, would you characterize the music, Jordan? Uh, totally ep- epic, right? Well, no, I mean, how, oh, how would you? Well, it was no. Well, here's kind of how it went. It's like you know, Ira Leibowitz, uh, you know, acquired the preliminary rights to Kurosawa's, you know, Seven Samurai. Dun 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 Yeah, and it's just like you know, take that, Boston pops. Yeah. So yeah, so I guess you know they had their own version of the movies epic mexican town shootout but it was all done uh, in court over rights i don't think i have ever watched a dvd extra where i didn't after i watched it feel like i had just wasted a portion of my life yeah yeah it's strange like even in in movies that i re- like uh, like commentary i have yeah I, you know i like some of the commentaries on some of the simpsons dvds a lot because those guys are really funny uh usually but like even in some of my favorite movies, like Waiting for Guffman is like one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, and for good reason, right? Yeah, it, it, I think it's it's it, it's really fantastic, and I wanted to listen to the commentary, but uh, it's Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy. They are so boring. It is so dull, <laughs> and it's just like the normal like shit that you hate about a DVD commentary. It's like, oh, this location was really great. It's colder than you'd think. He was so nice, you know. See that extra? What a sweetheart! And you it's just think like, that at this point. I can understand these DVD extras, especially the commentaries, being like that five or six years ago when DVDs were a new thing. Like when people didn't know what a director's commentary would be. You know what I mean? They're like, well, we'll just sit them down in a room and play the movie for them and see what they say. Yeah. But this is like a feature on a thing that you spend $20 for that sells $50 million worth of thing. Mm-hmm. And like all it is is they still just have them. They just like it's like the first time they've ever seen this movie. Yeah. A big part of my um, my senior final uh, that I wrote in college was was the movie Resident Evil. It was a big I talked about that movie a lot. I think we can my, all relate to that. Yeah, definitely. And I was really excited to listen to the commentary for it because um, – you know, kind of my opinion of it at the time was, um, you know, it's a movie that, you know, it's kind of, you know, like, all right, it's a video game movie and it's a, you know, it's a horror movie starring Mila Jovovich. You know, what's the, but I'm like, hey, this, I think this movie actually has some content. Like I, I really liked it and I thought it was well made and, you know, maybe it's, it's, it has some of that horror movie, you know, depth that people, you know. Uh, like a John Carpenter movie, yeah. Kind of like deal. how how you know how academics like to talk about you know George Romero movies or or something like that. I'm like, yo, you can talk about this movie in the same way. I, I like think it, I watched in one of my American Studies movie, uh, in one of my American Studies classes, a movie that starred, as I recall, Rowdy Ronnie Piper. 
Would you watch They Live? Yeah, there you go. Did I totally ever- don't like They Live. I'm, I, I'm in. I mean, uh, I've come to kick ass and chew bubblegum is is admittedly a great line, but there's so little content other than that line. Oh well, there's Rowdy Ronnie Piper. There is. It is Rowdy Ronnie Piper, right? It is. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I was. I'm like, hey, I'll listen to the commentary and I'll 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 get something from that that I can use in the paper. And it was just just the the, the director and and you know Mila Jovovich sitting around being the two biggest assholes you've ever heard in your life. It's like, ah, you can see my butt in this shot. And he's like, oh, I think these extras were sleeping together. You know, it was just, it was just awful. It did not help my case at all. I've watched, I've, I'm trying to think of if there's literally any DVD commentary. Well, one nice feature that I think you've spent some time enjoying is on the Wet Hot American Summer DVD. Uh, There is the uh, secondary soundtrack with extra farts. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice if you're having a you know like a fart themed party. You just put that on in you the background. Put that, throw that on. Yeah. There. So I, I don't where, know. Where is this? Where? Why don't they bring in a guy? Why isn't there a guy? Why aren't I, for example, being paid ten thousand dollars to come in and like prompt them to say something interesting? Yeah. Why don't they run it through twice and then use only the interesting parts of the things they said? Right, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think just because it doesn't matter to people. I think because people just buy DVDs like crazy anyways. And so, and, 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 you know, once you've bought it, you already have the commentary, you know. So no one, no one's like, hey, we need to make a better commentary. Then, then we can really move these things. Once people hear the commentary, it's great, you know. Uh, it's just it, like, you know. You know what movies I bet have great commentaries? Hmm. Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, because you get to uh, hear Kevin Smith uh, be nice and funny and distract from his kind of bad movie. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but yes. Yeah. Completely. No, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess I did watch some of the supplemental features on the Clerks 2 DVD. And he, he I mean, you know. Jordan, what were you doing watching supplemental features on the Clerks 2 DVD? I watch supplemental features. We've established that. You do it as a matter of course? It wasn't just happenstance? No, well, I mean, like, I'll put them on in the background while I'm, you know, putting on shoes or something like that. I mean, I don't think I devoted tonight to the supplemental features, but... I, the only supplemental features I've watched since I started, since I watched a few supplemental features and were totally destroyed by how lame they were, was I recently watched the -the behind-the-scenes documentaries on the Firefly DVD. Oh, yeah? But the reason that I did that was I had just taken my migraine medications. I was really dopey. Yeah. And I was trying to read a magazine, but I couldn't do it. And all our Netflix were sent back, except for the Gilmore Girls, and I really just didn't want to watch the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And so you watch the supplemental features for from the Firefly uh, yeah, DVD, I, in which I, in, uh, from which I learned that they they all were great friends. They all had a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> Joss Whedon's a real visionary. <laughs> yeah, Joss Whedon came off like kind of a dope. Um, it really messed up my opinion of that TV show. Yeah, it seems he like he actually thought it was something. <laughs> it seems like those things that they include, uh, those things they include are usually like just stuff they were using for promotional materials. Yeah, like to sell, and they're like, hey, here's a special feature. Like, uh, here's a commercial we made, you know. Yeah, here's the electronic press kit that we made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here's, like, the thing that we sent out to the local versions of Entertainment Tonight so they could pretend it was right, yeah, editorial Right, yeah, here's, here's the thing we, we sent to the, you know, local CBS News for them to run. Um, well, I think we're both on board with this one, huh? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I guess this is a good action item. What is a DVD special feature that's worth watching? Is it out there? Um, 
And don't tell me it's like the in-character commentaries on the Mr. Show DVDs or something like that. Oh, you know what? I have one more. I have one okay. more. Uh, I have one that I really liked. And, uh, uh, Sullivan's Travels has a great um, uh, feature about the life of Preston Sturgis, which was really uh, interesting. You know, I'll, it's funny that you mention that because that reminds me that on the F for Fake DVD, I don't know if you have you ever seen F for Fake. I've not seen it. Oh, for it's fake. a Orson Welles documentary that he made. I think in the early seventies, the very beginning of the seventies, and it's fantastic. It's hilarious. It's great. Not hilarious in an ironic way. Intentionally right. very funny and, and wonderful. And uh, there, this this DVD for some reason just has this whole other movie on it. Mm-hmm. That is this documentary about Orson Welles's crazy unfinished projects, his right, many right. crazy, and that's kind of great. But it's not okay. really related to the movie, and it's one of those DVDs that you got to spend forty dollars yeah, to it's buy. A criterion yeah. collection. I don't care if it's related to the movie. I just want another thing to watch. You know. But couldn't you just get a new thing from your Netflix? You have Netflix. I do, but I mean, it's a, it's a one at a time situation. You got a one at a time Netflix. Well, I mean, me and me and my housemate share it, and 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 she gets one, and I get one. Your housemate's been on the program. You can call her Lauren. Yeah, I can. Well, I mean, I don't want to assume that people have listened to every single show. I mean, you and your housemate Lauren yeah. share. Okay, it. you're right. I could, share you're right. I didn't say her name. So uh, but why don't you just watch the movie that uh, Lauren read? What'd she get? Legally, probably, legally Blonde too. <laughs> yeah, because I probably don't like it. No, Lauren gets a lot of like. Uh, she gets a lot of like French movies, like French, no. uh, like kind of sullen French movies. Sullen French movies, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, that's totally what I mean, she's she, using Netflix for. I knew that she was interested in, in filmmaking. Yeah. And thus film major movies. Mm-hmm. You know, but I figured that she would be. I think she got the stuff once, but that was like the only thing that's deviated from her uh, <laughs> selection of sullen foreign movies. Is is Gene's dad in the stuff? Gene's dad is totally in the stuff. Yeah, I, I, I the stuff is great. By the way, like that's that's something that I think people don't. Our former co-host, Big Time Gene O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, his dad plays us. I mean, he's in it for like two seconds. Isn't, isn't he in Chud too? He's also in Chud, I, which I have not. No, seen. I should be clear. Isn't he also in Chud? <laughs> because he don't think he's in Chud too. No, I think there is She's a Chud, Chud too. as well. Yeah, um, yeah. The stuff wasn't is Chud great. the like the highlight of Gene's dad's acting career. Well, I think he was a successful stage actor. But I mean, I mean his, oh, his like film screen, career. His yes, I think Chud was the career. High like point. he had, it, he was like in it for like twenty I minutes. I think it was uh, downhill after Chud for him. No, I think it was downhill after Chud for American cinema. That's true. Let's be let's be honest. It's just a bunch of fucking remakes and sequels, and you never see something original like a you know a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller, right? Um, there's this, uh, I always remember there's this funny part in, you know, I remember that show, The Critic? Yeah. Um, where there, where like a movie executive is paying off a critic, uh, before he's even seen the movie to write a good review. And he's like, I've already got my review down. It makes HUD look like Chud. And I loved Chud. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's a joke that we remember, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> we should probably cut out the part of, of us reminiscing about TV shows we watched. We'll be back uh, in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Welcome back to Gordon. Welcome back to Gordon Jesse Go. I'm Gah. Gah, gah, gah. Uh, Welcome back to Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Uh, I thought this was an interesting call. Hey, Jordan Jesse Go. This is uh, your old buddy Hound. Um, I just left my first 
hip-hop show that I truly, truly enjoyed. Now, I, I know uh, Jesse might get a kick out of that. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay, bye. First ever hip-hop show. I wish he told us who he went to see on his first ever hip-hop show. Yeah. What was your first ever hip-hop show, Jordan? My first ever hip-hop show was, I think we went to see Talib Kweli in Santa Cruz. Oh, Talib Kweli. Back when the... Um, Palookaville was still open. That was a nice club at Palookaville. Mm, a lot Palookaville. of a lot of good rappers they had in sure. there. That was a that was your first ever rap concert. That You'd was. been to lots of other concerts because yes. of your hobby of breaking into concerts, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, a lot of my high school uh, uh, leisure time was spent at at various things. B fifty twos concert. B fifty twos, for instance. Um, most, yeah, but no, that was my first. B-52s. Yeah, primarily. Sometimes Tom Petty. <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, so th- that was my first hip-hop concert, and it was great. I liked it a lot. What were your... I remember um, the first time I took uh, my college housemate, Nathaniel, uh, to a rap concert. He had never been. He came home, and he was really excited, and I believe his direct quote was, I loved it when they told me to do a thing, and then I did it. Yeah. Like wave your hands in the air like you just don't care or... Say ho. Say ho. Say something. Saying saying something that mm-hmm. they tell you to say is an important sure. part of a rap concert. Mm-hmm. Would, do, you, do you remember who else was on the bill besides Talib Kweli? I don't, honestly. I don't remember either. My first rap concert, I went with my probably mom. Probably Young Jeezy. It was probably maybe a little scrappy. Yeah, a little scrappy. Could have been a little scrappy. It's hard to know. Young Jock. Freaky Zeke? Yeah. Could have been Freaky Zeke. Um... I went to a concert with my mom and my best friend when I was like 16, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It was my first rap concert. I'd been yeah. to like, I'd been to, obviously, you know, you don't, there aren't a lot of rap music, like big venue, all ages shows. Like you don't go to like the equivalent. There's no, there's not much rap equivalent of like a Backstreet Boys concert. Right. But me and my uh, dad and my be- my mom my mom and my best friend went to see uh, a concert with uh Run DMC was the headliner, mm-hmm. and then the other acts were the Sugar Hill Gang, um, Houdini, and uh, gosh, some other people. And it was it was great. It was really fun because it was just all just like thirty eight year old black women. <laughs> nice, and they loved Houdini so much. I had no idea that Houdini. I mean. When I was like, seriously, when I was like five, The Freaks Come Out at Night was like my favorite song. I didn't know what it was about at the time. What is is it actually about? It's about freaks. Gotcha. But it's not about like monsters or something, which is what I guess what I probably assumed (laughs) it was about. No, it's about like, uh, you know, like loose women. Yeah, loose women. Exactly. Gotcha. Uh, But when those guys came on stage and they were wearing like, they did the whole Houdini thing. Maybe you don't know what the Houdini thing is. No, I don't. It involves wearing uh, black leather hats, Mm -hmm. like wide brimmed, wide flat brimmed, like Zorro hats. You right. know those kind of hats that Zorro wears, like with a, yeah, yeah. like it's a, she's got a Where shallow Zorro, crown Jesse, and then a big flat. I know what Zorro is. Well, they wear Zorro black leather Zorro hats on mm-hmm. stage, and apparently they are the greatest thing that has ever happened to a thirty-seven-year-old African American woman. When I was in high school, hmm. they flipped their shit. Even much more than even when Run DMC came on stage, and it was a great. The Run DMC really put on a great show, mm-hmm. but they went ape shit. Totally ape shit for Houdini. Like I almost got trampled. <laughs> I didn't even know they were a thing. Jaleel. 
I think they like Jaleel yeah. from Houdini. Mm. Who doesn't like Jaleel from Houdini? You'd have to be made of stone. Were you surprised by the rap concert when you went to see it? Um, n- no. I, uh, I, was, I think I was just surprised that I didn't get bored. You thought you would get bored? Yeah, I thought, you know, I thought you know, two hours of uh, straight rap music would be dull. I uh, definitely get bored at rock concerts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I get a little bored at rock concerts too, but uh uh yeah, it was it was it was great. Like something I didn't know about. Uh but yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I've Well, that's that's insightful. Yeah. It was fun. No surprises. Nothing to talk about here. Nothing. Move no. along, folks. Don't remember it that well. Why are you even fucking listening to this show, audience? Yeah, seriously. No insight. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. This is Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. Um, Jordan, you live by yourself. Yeah. But are you capable of taking care of yourself? <laughs> well, here's well here's here's a thing that uh, that that's been going on this this week slash weekend um, is is I mean I'm really trying to I mean people who've been listening a long time know that I kind of have a lot of you know money hangups to where I won't you know buy something even if I need it or you know and you make at this point a middle class salary yeah yeah I think I think we decided on your your couch like forty thousand dollars a year something like forty thousand dollars a year um, yeah so I mean a guy with with no kids I'm doing okay um anyways um so you know I'm really I'm really trying to you know to, Be a to little, kind of, loosen up a little yeah exactly and and I've been having a lot of laundry troubles recently. I mean, I keep I keep kind of intense hours. I mean, my, my job goes late, and then I kind of have the occasional comedy obligation at night. And um, we have a really kind of angry woman who lives by our laundry room. Who, if you put in laundry too late, will come out and um, uh, and so, like throw it on the ground. Well, and and, and uh, to me specifically, say, "Hey, uh, what are you doing in here after ten, Jufro?" Wow. Yeah. Uh, Although to be fair, you're you're really not supposed to do your laundry in the communal laundry room after. 10. Absolutely no, absolutely. I'm out of line, but that's no reason. To and call you me do a have Jufro. a Jufro. Well, I don't know. It's I don't not know. your We've defining about, characteristic. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I think we talked about this last time, but I don't think it's quite a Jufro. It's because it, it's not Jewy. These enough? are ringlets, Jesse. This oh, isn't a ringlets. this isn't a poof. These are ringlets. Anyways, okay. Uh, Thanks a lot, Molly Ringwald. Yeah. What? I don't know. Did she have those? I know she does. Shirley Temple. That's what I'm thinking go. of. Shirley Temple. I think I just said Molly Ringwald because it has a ring in the name. It does. It's true. Anyway, so I've been trying to, you know, like actually buy something when I need it. And I have I have a, a problem with laundry and I kind of have a similar problem with grocery shopping is that, you know, I'll, I'll do a load of wash uh, and I'll come out of it with 10 T-shirts but one pair of underwear. So it was just a, kind of a wasted load of wash because I, I'm, I'm missing some essential thing. Don't I, you just wa- wash all the clothes that are dirty all at once? Uh, no, too, it's, it's built up too much. I've let it build up too much. Um, How is there only? Does your whole does your whole complex only have one washing machine? Uh, it has three washing machines, so it's it's tough to do. It's tough. To three do washing those. machines is enough for all of the clothes you own. I usually I've I've tried it, but uh, it's it's I, I'm having problems getting a whole load i'm having a problem doing everything at once so um because they are taken it's not late enough not enough quarters etc etc anyways you gotta go to the bank and get quarters jordan yeah no that's true i should go to the bank but i mean again the the hours uh, affect my bank going too as well 
Ah. Uh, so, you know. I don't have a job. No, I know. Not everyone can lead your uh, your uh, carefree, devil-may-care, go-to-the-bank-anytime-you-please lifestyle, Jesse. Um, anyways, uh, so I thought I would take it to one of these places, and it was getting intense. And, and also I have the same problem with grocery shopping is where I will have, you know, I'll have, like, mustard and peas and nothing else. Like, there's not a meal there, just in the same way that I'll do laundry and there's not an outfit. Um so How I'm, I'm often like, do you grocery shop? Um, once a month, ish. Yeah, that's an issue. Yeah, it's totally an that's issue. That's going to be an issue for you to have food in the house. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But again, I, I, I. Uh, anyways, I'm not in my house a lot. Is, yeah, is is also a factor. Um, so I, I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, you know, there's clothes all over my floor. Uh, it, it looks like a disaster. I should, I should take my laundry to one of these by-the-pound places where they do it for you. I'm like, great, I can do all my Saturday stuff. I'll just drop it off at the uh, by-the-pound place. And I, it, it felt decadent. It was really out of my comfort zone. Like, it, f- it felt like something I shouldn't be doing, you know? My old, my skin flintness really kicked in. It's like, come on, you're, you're paying someone to do your laundry, this is like This is like at a dry cleaner or something uh, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, like a wash-and-fold type operation? A fluff-and-fold, I think they referred to it as. Is there any martinizing involved? <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. Um... So anyways, I, uh, I went there. I dropped it off. Guess, uh, guess how many pounds of laundry I had. Pounds of laundry for you, Jordan. See, was it a close full, you can get without was going it all over. your laundry? This is basically all my laundry. I was basically, basically what was clean was what I was wearing. Okay. Um, I'm going to go 18 pounds. Really? Okay. Uh, this is all towels, too. This is every towel I own as well. Which was probably one of my mistakes. Anyways, we'll get to my mistakes later. 34 pounds. 50 pounds. 50 pounds? 50 pounds of laundry. How were you carrying that? In a giant baby Bjorn or something? Yeah, no, I had, a, I had, I mean, I just had a couple of, uh, I had, I had two baskets and a, and a garbage bag. Jiminy Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was a $75 affair. $75. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, everything's nice and clean and folded and it came wrapped in plastic. 75 bucks. Yeah. On laundry, on all my laundry. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, you could have just taken a day off work for 75 bucks. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, but, uh, and I'm trying not to let it. Are you just, I feel like you're just living instead of uh, the lifestyle that you're living to be specific, Mm -hmm. I think may be the, Old West lifestyle. Okay. Um, in the sense that... Like I'm chopping wood for my breakfast? Most of, most of what you're spending money on, there's not a lot of fresh food to be had. Sure. So mostly you're spending your money at the saloon or uh, down, at the, uh, down at the laundry house getting your one set of clothes boiled. Right, right. Uh, yes. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll do it again, but it was, it was a good experiment in... You know, in luxury, I think. Was it luxurious? Yeah, it's, I mean, like the finished clothes are totally luxurious. They smell great. They're folded really neatly and compactly. Uh, yeah, I'd be scared that they were going to fuck up my clothes. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I wouldn't do it because it costs seventy five dollars, and right. uh, 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 you know, that's like what I make in a year at this <laughs> sure. point. Um, but uh, there's definitely. And there's definitely a concern that I have that they would fuck up my clothes. Okay. 
they would wash them at the wrong something. Gotcha. Well, I'm not. I, I can't comment on that yet. I don't because I just know. feel like what they do when they wash your clothes mm-hmm. is maybe just like I don't know what they do. Just put them in a waterfall or something. <laughs> right, like they fly it out to the Caribbean. Yeah, or it's just I just imagine kind of like you know how. Charlie Bucket's mom and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory works in that. Oh, do you think someone's stirring it in a vat with like an oar? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm I like imagining. the idea of that. I like the idea of my clothes being in a bucket. I don't want my clothes stir- anywhere near woman. the oar. Okay, fair enough. You like you like to have a poor woman stirring your clothes. Yeah, makes me feel That's nice. your thing? Yeah, I like it when she sings, too, while she's doing it. Wouldn't it be funny if you put like a recording device in the pocket of your jeans mm-hmm. to record the singing so you could masturbate to it later? Ah, oh, jeez, Jesse, why do you have to? Why do you have to make it go there? No, you brought it there. It's your I, thing. I wasn't saying that it's sexual. I just like you, the idea of it. I like it's you quaint. enjoy. You it's enjoy. Quaint and it's a, folksy. You enjoy a woman, a poor person, a poor woman specifically, mm-hmm. demeaning herself. While singing sexually. I don't, I don't know. Just, no, you know, it's okay. You're putting like, words in my mouth. No, it's fine, You're putting Jordan. sexual fantasies in my psyche it's that a, don't exist it's there. It's totally not I just like things that are out- folksy. I like a pie cooling on a windowsill. That doesn't mean I know I, you like a pie cooling on a windowsill, my way, friend. Not in that way, though. Jeez. <laughs> I, know, I, I know you like whirly gigs, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Get it, whirly gig? Uh, no, I hope they, isn't that that thing you like a helicopter and you do yeah, this? That's what that is. I don't. Oh, okay. Oh, that's like a it's kind of has a masturbatory. I didn't motion even to it. I was imagining yeah, that's that fine. you would Whatever. that you would that you would hit the you would use the blades of the whirly gig. You'd spin the <sighs> Jeez, blades man. of the whirly gig. What a disaster! Shit, I really fucked up this whole show, didn't I? Yep, basically. Sorry, children. <laughs> yeah, sorry, babies. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. This is Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse. Jordan. Um, so, uh, Thing important things happening in our lives. Sure, We're supposed to talk about those on the show, right? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to open our hearts and everything. Yes, um, we talked a lot about my puppy dog. His name is Woofy mm-hmm. on previous episodes, and how he was uh, basically uh, a baby mm-hmm. to my family. Sure, um, it turns out we thought he was sick. We knew he was sick. Um, he kind of had like a little cough and a runny nose. Mm-hmm. And we were like, gosh, he's a little bit sick. So we took him to the vet, and the vet gave him some antibiotics and said, don't worry, he'll be fine. He just came out of the shelter like all, all dogs get sick in the shelter because yeah. shelters are just vast stew pots of dog sicknesses. He got worse and worse, and he started twitching a little bit in his little head. His little, little head twitch. You know what I'm talking about. You yeah, know the little, head, the head, head twitch, twitch. little head twitch and his cute little nose. And uh, so I took him back to the vet and... Like what happened was Teresa looked up on the internet this these symptoms and she found this horrible disease called distemper mm-hmm. and uh and then she was all freaking out and I'm like don't worry about it and she called the vet and she made an appointment and she's like should I be freaked out about this and they're like no dogs don't get that anymore like it's don't worry about it yeah it's like the it's like 
black lung or something. Yeah, it's well, it's, no, it's that's what coal miners get. It's like it's like measles. Okay, it's measles for dogs. Uh, but they invented a vaccine for it, just as they invented a vaccine for measles sure. in the seventies or something. Mm-hmm. We brought him into the, or, or I brought him into the vet, and um, it turns out he has this horrible disease, and it's weird because the vet. Like the the vet can't just say to you, like your dog is gonna die, right? So it was this elaborate dance of me, because I'm there with the veterinarian, like trying to, just like trying to stay present enough and like process the fact that he's all these like little things that he's telling me about the condition are probably mean that the dog is gonna die, right? Right. And I'm like, so like my head is reeling for that. I don't really know how to ask questions and, and blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, he says, there's a test we can do for it. And I'm like, well, does the test do anything? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it's not that reliable. If we give him the test and he tests positive, then he definitely has it. And there's nothing we can really do. Mm-hmm. If we give him the test and he tests negative, then he might still have it. And there's nothing we can do anyway. So we didn't get the test, and I brought him home, and I called Teresa and had her come home from work, and then I just fucking lost it. Like, I have not lost it like that maybe since I was, like, 11. Wow. Like, I was just, like, I couldn't even, like, I, I didn't, I made it home, okay, and, um, you know, like, I loaded him up in the truck, and brought him home and got there. When I got there, Teresa was there and, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then I like sat down to tell her what was going on and I could not even make it through the sentence. Like I just was bawling. Just like when I say bawling like a baby, I mean like maybe not like a baby, but like a three-year-old because I could talk, I could, but it was interrupted by the bawling. Like I did not even, was not able to say a sentence before I started just... And I think I pretty much cried like that, like that level of intensity, like the most intense crying I've done since I was like 10 or 11 all day, except for an hour when I interviewed They Might Be Giants. (laughs) So like in between... Got to keep it together for that. Yeah, like I'm interviewing They Might Be Giants, right? Mm -hmm. And like like, there's this part of me like, like, don't think about it, just just don't you can't deal with it right now. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, well, should I cancel this interview with they might be giants, but they had gone through all this trouble to uh, do the interview and get into studios. Right. Cause right. they were in two different places actually. And, and, th- and I was in a third place. So like one of them was in a studio, their studio in New York. And one of them was in a studio in another place and they had gone through all this logistical stuff. So I didn't want to just cancel on them cause they were so nice and they were, were so happy to come on the show and all this stuff. So, like, the interview was literally me, like, interviewing them and, like, being, like, having fun talking to them, right? You Mm -hmm. know, because they're fun guys. Right. But then, like, every, like, 10 minutes, I would just think, oh, my God, my dog is going to die. And I would have to, like, hit the mute button Mm -hmm. while they were talking and just, like, freak out while they were talking. A little freak out. And then, like, have to, like, get it back together in time to answer a question. Right. I mean, to ask another question after they were done with their answer. Hmm. It's weird. It's a, a lot of people have, because I posted something on the, on the blog about it, mm-hmm. about Wolfie being sick. And, um, and a, a lot of people have, have sent me like really nice notes and stuff like that. And um, 
which actually is really nice. I mean, it's, on the one hand, you're kind of fucking pissed off because you kind of wish that that did something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I feel like if you got enough notes, maybe. Yeah, like it would make they a would difference. Equal one, one, one dog, medicine. Yeah, one medicine, one treatment for this awful sure. disease that's going to give him seizures and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really nice. And uh, gosh, I don't know. It's just the. Somebody somebody sent me a message and said, you know, like a lot of people sent me a message that said, you know, like, oh, I know what it's like. I've had a pet tie and it's, it's really awful and it's like their friend. And I think what's been so difficult about it for me was Woofie had been with us long enough that like I could I can really honestly say that I like loved him. You know, like mm-hmm. I really cared about him as much as I've cared about anything that is not an immediate member of my family ever mm-hmm. or Teresa. Um, and because he had been with us for like a month Mm -hmm. and I had kind of gone from thinking like, Oh, I would like to have a dog around the house because dogs are nice and I don't have any special relationship to dogs. Right. To like, we looked at a lot of dogs and then we just found the one that was the one that we wanted. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like exactly the dog that we wanted to live with us at our house and everything. And, um, it's just like, it's the, you feel like just the whole, I mean, Woofie's, Woofie's dying, you know, like, but Woofie was, as it turns out, was sick when, when we got him, you know, mm-hmm. so like rationally I can think, well, you know, like his life is definitely being improved by having us here, you know, cause he could have just been in the, she was in a kill shelter, so he could have just been euthanized if he hadn't even been rescued, but yeah, yeah. he could have not had a, a place to be or like people to be with. And, you know, then we obviously really care about him and he, he's really strongly bonded to us and, and that kind of thing. So like in that sense, it's good. But on the other hand, like what it feels like is it feels like just all the possibilities of him and in our life is just like disappearing. You know, like I had all, all these ideas from of what, like I just kind of like readjusted my whole idea of what my life was around him being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe, maybe not. What's it like? What? Like, like I just, like I just, I had made it to the point where I thought of my family instead of being me and Teresa as being me and Teresa and Woofie, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought about, you know, like we're going to visit Teresa's, um, Teresa's grandparents, uh, have, uh, have a cabin in the, um, in the mountains in Cal here in California. Mm-hmm. We're going with Teresa and her family. And like, for me, that trip was a trip where Woofie got to go to the cabin. Right. Right. <laughs> like, like really, like that's really how I thought about it. And now, like, I know that he's not going to be able to, or even just you know, since I got to El Camino, Teresa and I were talking about going uh, camping in the El Camino because El Camino has a camper shell. And, um, you know, we were looking for a place where, you know, a dog goes camping with you. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, that was the whole idea of the whole thing. You know what I mean? This is this this is like I mean you've had you like you haven't had a pet experience this intense before right like not even had, I've had lots of pets right um, lots of kind of tiny apartment pets right yeah I mean I I had a dog when I was little mm-hmm. um, and I I mean I thought it was a great dog and everything mm-hmm. I mean the way that when you're little you think a dog is a really great thing you know like yeah but. And I definitely, I did, didn't, definitely didn't feel about Woofie the way that I would feel about a person. Right. You know what I mean? But 
I think it's a very different thing. I think the thing that had me so broken up, particularly, mm-hmm. was I had never, um, I definitely never had a relationship like this with a pet. Mm-hmm. I had had, and I had, had good, good, lots of good pets. You know, yeah. hamsters and lizards and. Um, uh, anoles and sure. t- turtles and frogs and bunny rabbits, lots of pets. Mm-hmm. And um, I never had a relationship like that. But I, I think maybe like the hardest part about it was just that I felt so committed to taking care of Woofy, mm-hmm. which I didn't, I don't think I, I ex- like I think I set up the whole dog thing specifically so I wouldn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. about an animal like i there was a definitely like me i was like working to make sure that like that i would have as little responsibility towards the animal as possible mm-hmm. you know what i mean but then once we got woofy like i just was it didn't it it was like completely it was the opposite like i felt completely responsible and like completely like i wanted to take care of him and and then there was just there's just nothing that can be done. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like I wanted to help him. Like it wasn't like he was sick cause he was old and right. It was just, a- it was like he was coming to his time and it, or it wasn't like it was like he got hit by a truck. It's like act of God. And it wasn't like he's like struggling against this illness. And you know, if we all just band together, of, he can beat it care. or something. Yeah. Where the le- yeah exactly where the level of care is what determines whether or not he makes it through or something, you know like I I can take care of him a lot and I have been you know like I'm feeding him by hand and you know making him f- cooking having to cook him food and mm-hmm. and hold him a lot and and that kind of thing and sometimes carry him around, but that's not what determines whether he lives or dies. I mean it's this virus that you can't do anything about. Like no matter what you can't do anything about, mm-hmm. and it's just going to go in his brain eventually. And then he's just going to start getting seizures, seizures constantly. And he's going to, you know, die. Do you think it was, do you feel like it was something about, you know, Woofy in particular, like his, you know, personality or his dogness that made this, you know, that, that led to this kind of intense bond? Or do you think it was something so like something else, like you were like prepared in your life for like would some I other in other words would I have been sad if this had been my um my brother's bad dog Wally <laughs> right yeah or you know or I mean I'm, I guess I'm getting at do you think it was um you know do you think it was something specifically about Woofy or is this some sort of or is he more symbolic what do you I mean no, I think it was I well I mean obviously it was both mm-hmm. but I think i think there was a very it would take it takes a very particular kind of dog i think for me to feel this way about an animal because mm-hmm. i'm not i'm i mean obviously like i'm not like a animal pet guy yeah like that's totally not my thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it kind of it kind of surprised me that you were attached to him i thought you know i thought maybe you would like to put a hat on him or something but and I did, and I no, did like yeah. to put a hat on him. Sure. I mean, let's let's be clear about I that. But yeah. I think there is a kind of dog mm-hmm. um, that I really like 
It is the kind of dog that doesn't get into trouble and just really wants to be close with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of that's what kind of dog wolf he was, you know, or is. Um, like I really like when Teresa said, I think Teresa would have fallen in love with any dog that came along because um, dogs uh, dogs have that. big eyes relative to the shape, size of their head, sure. and uh, she's uh, mainlining lady hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like for me, like Woofy is the kind of dog where, like, really, like what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. is just like come up to you and just be with you. Mm-hmm. Like he really just like from the very beginning he like like the literally the first thing that he did when we we went to visit we went to visit him at this lady who does dog rescue's house who who does dog rescue out of her house um in the Hollywood Hills and she had these three crazy dogs of her own and mm-hmm. then Wolfie was there. And like, basically, we she brought all the dogs outside, and the three dogs just went like lickety split, mm-hmm. right, and started running and doing crazy shit. And uh, Woofie just like came up to me and just like pressed himself against me, mm-hmm. like to my leg, like I was like standing up, and he just kind of went. Right. Right. Okay. And I mean, it's. You know, it's kind of hard to know, like, is that his personality or because he was already sick or something? He was, he was about to fall down. Yeah, he was about to fall down. He has been doing a little bit of falling down. It's kind of cute. It's awful and sad, too. But, um, no, I think it is It's something about this particular kind of dog. And there's the other thing about it is that was really hard for me, especially at first, is it's really hard to... Uh, it's really, it was really hard to find out that he was going to die, know that there was nothing that I could do and then have to be in this like liminal place in between the dog being alive and the dog being dead. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't want to put him down because he's still doing okay. I mean, he's, he's having a hard time. Like he's having a hard time with some stuff, but he's definitely not more uncomfortable than he is comfortable. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, um, but on the other hand, like there's, it's not, like I said, it's not like he has this illness that we're going to fight against and, you know, win or lose, whatever happens, happens. It's like, we've already lost. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just that, you know, we don't know how soon the loss is going to come. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard place to be in. And t- I was talking to Teresa about it when we were driving the car yesterday. And um, it just puts you in this place where it's like you're not actually... It's like you just have a hard time, like, directly experiencing the world, like, mm-hmm. just in general, not just about the dog, but it just, like, puts you in this really weird place because if you if you kind of like directly engage what's going on around you, then it's like he's dying. Like when I say dying, I mean not like in the long process of dying, mm-hmm. but like dying, like at the point of death all the time. Mm-hmm. And we don't have any way, we don't know how long it's going to be or like it could be days or it could be weeks or it, I don't know, I guess it could be months or something. Mm-hmm. We really don't know. Um, 
and you can't you it's like impossible to live that way like it's it just would make you totally crazy i mean that's what was going on the first couple of days it's like just me freaking out over that over right. and over and over right mm-hmm. and but then the other option you can't just ignore it you know what i mean like I, there's a like i can like spend time with him and you know it's easy to do the stuff like clean up his shit from the kitchen mm-hmm. That he that he made because he had trouble with you know his control of his bowels or something right. like that's made easy by the fact that it's just like you know you just want to help him mm-hmm. so much, but like oh it's just it just really like it's just I just wish there was something I could do you know like I just like I I'm taking care of him and you know giving him everything he wants and he needs and and you know all that shit of course you mm-hmm. know and like sitting him on my lap and petting him and you know i bought him a, I, <laughs> I got an intern and the first thing that i did was i brought took made the intern come with me to, to the store to buy the dog a humidifier hmm. uh, you know the kind you put the vix vapo rub in right and uh like i'm taking care of him but it's just it's terrifying to think that you know like no matter how much i take care of him it doesn't do anything like it's i mean it does something like it makes his life better you know mm. He has this finite life and I'm making it better, but it won't fix him. Like there's no way, like I'm a person who just wants to, when there's something wrong, I want to fix it or get it, get rid of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have a really hard time in the, in the middle. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, anyway, I guess the moral of this story is that, um, even if somebody tells you that you should not vaccinate your dog because it just makes your dog sick, uh-huh. for fuck's sake, just, just vaccinate, vaccinate your fucking dog. Because some assholes at some puppy farm in, you know, the far outskirts of Los Angeles, um, you know, had a breed of puppies, a brood of puppies, and didn't vaccinate them, and now, you know, and then dumped them off at a shelter, and now my dog is sick, and. He may have gotten lots of other dogs sick for all I know, yeah, or, yeah. you know, just fucking do it unless you're a terrible person. Anyway, I just love that little guy, Jordan. Yeah. He's a great dog. He's a I solid dog. I just love that little guy. What a wolfster. Yeah. My mom is broken up too. Oh yeah. She did. Did she? She met Wolfie because the first weekend that we had him, we, we went to San Francisco with him. Mm-hmm. So our family has met him and I think my mom was ready to make him. In fact, before my mom found out, my mom had already sent him, like, some pictures of himself. She had sent him, like, four packages already. Were they addressed all to All addressed him? to Wolfie, yeah. He sent, he sent, uh, she sent him, like, a Trader Joe's gift card to buy treats. Signed, and she signed it, Grandma. Wow. Um. Yeah. Gosh. Well, anyway, I think that's enough sadness for one Jordan Jesse go, huh? Yeah. Let's go back to me making jokes about you masturbating. Yes, please. Let's do. That's what the people tune in for. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse go. La, 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 la. Jordan Jesse go, Jesse. Jordan. Last week on the show, our action item was uh, to have you call in and sing us a Norse uh, Nordic of some kind, Northern Europe, generally mm-hmm. Northern European uh, folk song. Right. 
I'm considering uh, I got the oper- uh, the offer to leave this podcast and and go start a podcast where uh, we sing exclusively Nordic folk songs. And so. I think that would be a good podcast. I mean, it's a good idea for a yeah, podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely a better use of my talents. Yeah, I, there's no doubt about that. I mm-hmm. mean, you're you're much more you know Bjork than you are Adam Carolla. Exactly. Um, but. I think it's also sensible, just as it is a great idea, but I think it was sensible of us to take this opportunity to get a feeling for Norse folk music Mm -hmm. uh, and have you, I think you can kind of, you can participate too uh, in this and and we'll get a feel for what it would be like if you were on a Norse or Northern European music singing podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did get some calls, so let's let them roll. This is Sheila calling for Jesse and Jordan. Um, and I have a Norse song for you. It goes like this. Stodla, 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 pumpa, stodla, pumpa, stodla, pumpa, stodla, 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 pumpa, stodla, pumpa, pum, pum, pum. And it means barn pump in Czech, I think. Is that is that Norse enough? Maybe that's not. We could go a little farther northward, but uh, that's what I got. Hope you enjoy it. Jordan, you didn't even sing along. Oh, sorry. I, I thought you were supposed to sing along. Sorry. You did you learn the songs? Yes. Pampa Stodola. Okay, well, are you ready times. to sing along? Yes, I'm sorry. <sighs> For Christ's sake. Okay, here we go. Okay. Pampa Stodola. Are you going to sing too? No, it's your job to sing. Okay. For Christ. Why do you think it would be my job to sing the songs? It's your fucking You're podcast. Right. I'm sorry. That was pretty good work. Yeah, I think that was a, I mean, a B plus. So far, I'm enjoying this new podcast. Yeah, me too. Maybe we. This has been a lot of fun so far. Do you think we could get rid of that actual? What was he? Where was he from? Norway, Iceland. He was from Iceland. Do you think we should get rid of that Icelandic guy and and I can get in on this? No, I no. You've been. I don't know. Come You've on. been naysaying I... the singing from the get go. For fuck's now sake! You just I just want to train. You're just a latecomer. You're gonna kick me to the curb. I made you, Morris. I made you. Hey, I made myself with my great singing. <laughs> okay, we got another song here. Hey, uh, this is Pete from Minneapolis, and I'm gonna sing part of, I believe, a Finnish folk song that I sang in a choir like ten years ago. And I haven't heard it since then, so I might not remember it. It has something to do with ducks flying away, I think. Okay. Jordan. I'm getting an ear for it. Okay, are you ready to sing it this time, or are you going to puss out? Yes, I, okay, I'm going to sing the English words, though. Oh, okay, good. I'm going to translate it. Because not everybody speaks ancient Nork. No, it's, it's, it's true. Well, mostly Hagar the Horrible does. And the ducks are flying away. They symbolize our lives. Like a life will end in darkness. So will a duck fly away. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got. 
Fuck Jordan. They're a bleak people. Jordan. What? You know how I wanted to do this podcast with you and you said I couldn't? Mm-hmm. You just want to so bad now you can't even handle it? No, I just, now I understand what you meant. Because when you said that I couldn't do it, I thought you meant that you weren't allowing me to do it. Oh, but you know, you've realized you don't have the skill to do it. Yeah. I hear you. I could never touch somebody's heart like that. If I could give you one recommendation, mm-hmm. you might think about having Mandy Patinkin co-host with you. That's a good... Well, we'll see. We uh, we haven't gotten along since I PA'd on his show, Criminal Minds. Yeah. I, we, I mean, we just didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. How hot his latte should be, you know, if, you know, the the gauge of Brad's we should use on his script pages. I just can't. So, I don't know. That's going to be a tough thing. That's going to be a tough hump to get over. Jordan, I just know, I know that, I understand now that you're not angry with me. You actually really care about me and you are protecting me. Yeah, from failure, from the miserable failure that would come along in trying to, uh, in trying to match my skill in the Norse folk song podcast. Well, I just want to say that we're still friends. Great. And you can still come and do my podcast sometimes if you want to. I probably won't want to. I'll be too tired. Okay. Well, I just I just don't think people are going to want to listen if you're not. No. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess you'll just have to stop doing it I, because I, I depend I'm on putting it all my eggs food. in this basket. Sorry, I'm not on television like you are, Jordan. I, I need to do this to eat. Well, you'll have to uh, come on. You're a you know you're a pleasant guy with uh, a talent or two. You could you know you'll find something. Don't worry about it, man. I, I mean you know I'm just gonna start riding this this wave and see where it dumps me off. And I'm guessing it's gonna dump me off into a mansion. Can I come over sometimes? No, sorry. That'll be weird. <laughs> I know, because we used to do that podcast and everything, you know. I can't even... People will see you come in, they're like, are they getting back together? And the answer is no, because I'm Can not Can I just hang back. out in the game room or something? Just, what yeah, if you got... I don't know. Could I mean, you if get you maybe want... an in-law apartment? Yeah, I mean, if you know, here, if there's... If the servants are having a party in the servants' quarters, like after our party, after the party... uh that I, I'm having in the mansion, if the servants want to have some sort of thing with the leftover food in the servants' quarters, you can go to that. Can I put something in the dumbwaiter? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Absolutely. I'm not made of stone. You could put something in the dumbwaiter. I really appreciate it, You could it, put man. a sheet or, uh, you know, anything. It has to be something that serves the household, though. Oh, yeah. You have to be doing work. Oh, I I just was gonna Dirty I was dishes. gonna put something funny in the dumbwaiter or no. something like that. Yeah, I don't think we would like that. It very wouldn't have much. it wouldn't have actually ended up being funny anyway. Yeah. yeah. It would have been like a tennis ball or something. But they're fun, the servants, you know, they're great. Yeah. They don't speak a lot of Do, English. But I can't be a servant at your house? Yeah, I don't know if you're suited for it. You have big clumsy hands. Right. And I'm gonna want my servants to do a lot of delicate tasks. Like tying the knots on eastern rugs. Yeah, that you know. Well, shit. Massaging my tiny pet snake. (laughs) (laughs) They're very exotic. Fucking rich people and your fucking tiny snakes. Yeah, they're really delicate. I mean, if you rub them too hard, they'll just automatically die. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan, Jesse, go. La, la, la.
Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. We've come to the end of another Jordan, Jesse, go podcast. Mm-hmm. I promise that future podcasts won't have just a solid 18-minute block of me being sad about things that are happening. Yeah, I'll try and be sad in the next one. Okay, good. It I'll... takes a little pressure off of me. I plan to do a lot of assholey things during the week that'll uh, destroy a lot of relationships. Oh, good. So next week... When you say I'm going to be all remorse. When you say destroy a lot of relationships, you mean will lead to you no longer having someone to pluck your eyebrows for you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, of course, our theme music is uh, by The Free Design, uh, courtesy of Light in the Attic Records. They're on the internet at lightintheattic.net. Uh, I am Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan, Jordan, Morris, Jordan Morris, Boy, Boy Detective. Detective. Action item for this week. Uh, what are some good DVD extras? Uh, we've we we decided they pretty much suck across the board, uh, but we want to know if you you have uh, you have any recommendations? Some good commentary, some good featurettes that we might enjoy. Our listener song this week um, comes to us via the Casper Hauser Comedy Podcast. They did an episode in which uh, Captain James Kirk was trapped on. Um, um, and an, asteroid an, an asteroid, an enemy planet, an unknown planet, mm-hmm. uh, and he was tripping balls. Mm-hmm. And uh, these guys were so inspired by the podcast that they created a song, which I think is pretty awesome. Sure. Also, I think that if you are out there and want to make a song about the sound of young America or Jordan Jesse Go or Casper Hauser Comedy Podcast or Coil and Sharp or the College Years, uh, I say go ahead and do it. Somebody's going to write a sp- college year specific song Please now. do. I think it would be awesome if uh, somebody wrote a song specifically about the Sound of Young America classics, <laughs> which, is just, which is just a new podcast I created because uh, th- the really old Sound of Young America podcast you can no longer see in iTunes. So, yeah. So if you write one about Sound of Young America classics, it's definitely getting on Jordan Jesse Go. <laughs> But any of them, I think you've got Would a good shot. Would probably get on. Oh, you think they mm-hmm. have a good yeah, shot? Yeah, well, I mean, we're vain. Yeah, absolutely. I think like anyone, we want to see art that we have inspired. Yeah. We're if like you want to paint me in the nude, yeah, I say do it. Absolutely. If you're in the neighborhood, uh, I don't Jordan's know. I probably won't to... actually nude. You'll have to guess at what my genitals look like, but I'll come over and hang around in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Although, honestly... Hmm. You would do that anyway, whether or not there was a painting involved. Yes, as long as there's snacks. You're not even wearing clothes right now. You're just wearing underoos. Mm-hmm. You're wearing spidey underoos. It's true. This is the kind of get, I guess. I had to have them specially made. We'll be back next week on Jordan Jesse Go. This week's listener song is by the band Fall on Your Sword. You can find them online at myspace.com slash fallonyoursword. It's called Back to the Ship, and it samples the Casper Hauser comedy podcast.